Thank you, choir. Thank you, Brother Wesley and Lavanda, for leading us in the worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, we'll be in the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 15. We'll be in verses 9 through 17 is what we'll be looking at. I sent you the email this week, and I know all y'all got it and studied it, so you're ready to go this morning. The title of the message is The True Meaning of Love. True Meaning of Love. Love is something we're going to talk about. Love is something that's just buried in the Bible over and over. Every single verse of Scripture just covered with love. We're going to talk about that this morning. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. We've already mentioned that this morning. We celebrate another holiday, another day for celebration But it's a very significant day. It's a little different than some of the others. It's a a day to reflect back and and remember. A holiday when we recognize the brave men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Uh, Freedom is something we do not need to take lightly. It's a very important issue in our country. Around the world there is a lot of places that have no freedom. A lot of men and women have laid down their life and, and, and sacrificed, the ultimate sacrifice, so that we would have freedom. And we want to honor the lives of these people and reflect back on the sacrifice that they made. Because freedom has a cost. It comes with a cost. And many people have stood the test and maintained our freedom for this country. And that's a significant thing. That's why we stand for the flag. That's why we stand and we sing and we lift our voices up. It's why we include God in, in the songs that we sing about our country and about our freedom. We want to never forget the military personnel who have died in the performance of their military duties while they've served in the armed forces overseas, around the world, in the countries that are danger. We will never forget them for what they've done for us. We also need to be thankful for all the individuals who have served in the military, not just those who have given their lives, but all those who have served and our veterans who've placed themselves in harm's way over the years to help defend our country, help defend our freedom, have been instrumental in maintaining the freedom of this country. And church, to our men and women who have gone on, and to our veterans who have served and in the military and those that are continuing to serve, we want to say thank you for your dedication and your commitment and the love that you have shown for your fellow man. It's an inspiration to all of us. At the center of any successful relationship, you'll find love. Any relationship, any successful relationship, you're going to find that four-letter word, love. Love is arguably one of the most important words in the English language. Would you agree? It's an important word. It's important in our relationships. Every single word in the Bible points to love. Every single passage points to love. It points to love and sacrifice because every word in the Bible points to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament doesn't really matter. It all points back to God. There's a number of times that that Jesus refers to uh, love throughout the Bible. I mean, he specifically talks about it. And in a passage this morning, I want you to count and look at the number of times in this passage that Jesus uses the word love. And sometimes love is, is explained in other ways. Sometimes it's given in other uh, explanations. But I want you to, when we, when we stand and when we read this passage, I want you to just look at how many different times Jesus specifically used the word love. If you're able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? We'll be in John chapter 15, starting in verse 9, reading through 17. 
Verse 9 says this, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do as I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he will do for you. This is what I command you, love one another. Pray with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God just asks you bless the reading of your word. Father, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. God, I ask that you allow your servant to hide behind the cross to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. And you may be seated. How many times did Jesus use the word love in that passage? Anybody count them? Nine times. Nine different times. It must be significant because almost every verse of Scripture, he used that word. So it must be something important that he's trying to let us know. It must be something significant that God wants us to see in this passage of Scripture that points to love. And let's look at it together. If you ask any veteran why he or she served in the military, you get a a wide variety of answers. I could ask some of our guys and see, why did you serve and why did you decide to serve? Why did you choose that branch of military that you chose? You know, you get a lot of answers. Some of them say, well, my, my dad was in the military. My dad was in the Army. My dad was in the Marines. My, my mom served. It's been a family tradition. We've always gone through these things together. My, my friend talked me into it. It wasn't really something I wanted to do, but, man, he had to do it, and so I was going to do it with him. Or I like to travel. Man, I want to see the world. This is a way that I could go to different places. Y'all ever heard any of these, these statements that they made? But hands down, the most common answer given to anyone who served in the military is the reason they signed up, the reason they served was for the love of the country. Amen? Amen. That is the most common answer that you'll see. And this morning, we're going to talk about love, the love that, that, that we're talking about from Memorial Day, the people that have laid down their lives because they loved this country, because they loved those people they were standing in those foxholes with, or they were up in the battles with. Those people were significantly had a love for their fellow man. We live in a time of, in our lives in this world when, man, love is, could be needed no more than today. Amen. And you look at it this year compared to last year. When I was thinking about this year compared to last year, man, we need love more this year than we needed last year. There's more division in this country this year than there was last year. And there was a lot last year, amen? It seems like we need love more than anything. When we look around our surroundings, it's hard a lot of times to find love. It's hard to find people who love one another the way Jesus commanded us to do, to love one another. It's hard to see these people or see these things taking place. Many of the struggles in our world today are anything but love. Man, there, there are all kinds of other struggles or other issues that are taking place, but they're anything but love. But I want to ask you a question. Where are we looking to find true love? 
What are we looking to find it? Where are we looking to find it? How are we looking to get it? These are things that are important to us. The word love can be identified in many descriptive words. It's in the English language. I already told you it's one of the most common words in the English language. It's a very important word. So when we look up the word love, these are some physical aspects of the word love. It is descriptive type words such as compassion, sacrifice, Caring, emotions, commitment, dedication, giving, and that list goes on and on. When you look for the answer to what is love, you'll get a lot of different things. Don't Google that word, okay, because it'll come back a lot of different ways. But when you look in the Holman Bible Dictionary, it defines love as this, unselfish, loyal, benevolent intention or commitment toward other people. It's a little bit different philosophy, a little bit different look at it. When you look at the concept of love, it's deeply rooted in the Bible. Jesus talks about it on multiple occasions. It's deeply rooted in the Bible. The Bible says that one of the main characteristics of God is that of what? Love. And what type of love does God have for us? It's called agape love. It's an unconditional love. It has no requirements. It has no stipulations. It's, it's God-centered characteristic. It's one of his multiple characteristics. It's centered on the fact that he loves without condition. John 3.16, you all know this. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal, everlasting life. This passage of scripture, man, you look at this one verse of scripture. And you say, well, how significant is that one verse of Scripture? Look at it just for instance. For God so loved the world. Another version would say God loved the world in this way. It's specifically pointing to the way that he loved the world. Not the fact that he just loved the world, but how much he loved the world. How magnificent he loved the world. How majestic it was. How significant it was. God so loved the world that he gave the ultimate sacrifice for each of us. That's the kind of love that he's sharing. And when we read the Bible, we see that Jesus put a significant emphasis on the meaning of love. When he talked about love, he made specific statements about love. He, put, he displayed it. He didn't just talk about it, but he lived it. He showed it. He revealed it. We see it in every walk that he took. We know that he referred to love often. He said it many, many times. He gave his followers several instructions about love. When he was sharing with them, when he was teaching them, he would use it commonly. John fifteen thirteen. greater love has no man than he would lay down his life for his friend. Not that he was asking them to do that. Not that that was the, the plan, but that was his plan. That's what he knew was going to take place. Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37, and 39 says this. You know this common is very familiar to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And what? Love who? Your neighbor as what? As yourself. Love. This is so important. This is what he's trying to tell us. This is called the 11th commandment, that we love one another. Certainly Christians ought to be able to love one another. Amen? We ought to be able to love one another. We ought to be able to get along with other believers. Love for others is a mark of a disciple. It's a mark of a follower of Christ. Followers of Christ love other people. They share it. They share the love of Jesus Christ. If you want to be a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to love other people. You've got to love people who are like you. You've got to love other people who are not like you. You've got to love people who have the same skin color and some that have different skin colors. Some have hair, some have don't hair. But you've got to love all kinds of people, same and different. Jesus called his disciples friends. That is so significant. They were his disciples. They were his followers. They were his students. And you can't tell me that a teacher and a student can't have a friendship. Isn't that what some people say? I'm your teacher, not your friend. You ever heard that? I've heard that a lot. Is that true? 
Any teachers in here? A lot of students in here. Did y'all ever have friends with your teachers? No? Y'all quiet bunch this morning. Jesus Christ called his students his friends. He called his followers his friends. He changed them. You're not my servants anymore, even though he was teaching them to serve. Jesus Christ was the model servant. You're not my servants anymore. You're my friends. He specifically talks about you're my friend. And he refers to us as friends. We're not just people. We're not just anything different. We're his children and we are his friends. He calls us his friend. And we look at verse six, uh, 15. He refers to his friends. His death on the cross proved that he loved us. And now we've got to prove that by loving his people. <laughs> loving the people that he loved. Friends love each other and they help each other. The obedience of Christ has asked from us to not just to be a servant, but to be a friend. He said, I no longer call you servants because you're my friends. Service is something that's so important to, to the Christian. We serve because we love Christ. We serve because we love his word. We serve because uh, we have a desire to want to grow closer to him. We have a desire to want to grow closer to each other. He didn't call us servants. He calls us friends. Because we are his friends, we're able to abide in him. We're able to remain in him. We're able to go closer to him. When we abide in Jesus Christ, that's because we're working on our relationship with him. We want to stay in his commandments. We want to be obedient to his word. We want to follow his direction. We want to live the way he wants us to live. He goes on and he says, I've shared with you everything the Father has told me. He doesn't keep any secrets from us. He shared every single thing with us. The love that God gave to him, the relationship that they had, he wanted us to have the exact same relationship that he had with the Father. He wants us to have relationships with each other the same way. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But true joy, John 10.10, Jesus said, uh, Satan come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and to give it what? More abundantly. To give it to the fullest. He didn't just come to give us life. He came to give us a full life. And that's what we want to uh, learn from his word today. There's two important things that I want you to look at in this command that Jesus gave in verse 17. First, when Jesus says, love one another, this commandment is given in the present tense. It means to start loving today. Whether you loved them yesterday or not, it means start today and keep loving them forward, to keep going. That's a present tense statement that he's given us. Love one another. That's what it means. It means to keep on loving each other, even when times are bad. Man, it's, it's easy to love people when things are good, right? When the relationship is good, when things are good, when everybody's working like a well-oiled machine. But when it gets difficult, when it gets hard, that's when it's hard to, to stay on that path and to keep loving. That's the first thing he talks about. The second thing is the comparison of the commandment. There's a pattern and example that he's given us. Jesus said, love each other the same way that I've loved you. The same way that I've loved you, which was an unconditional love. And we can love people, but do we love them truly unconditionally? That's what he's talking about. This command that Jesus gave to love one another the same way he loves us. That's the same way that God loves us, unconditional. There's no stipulations to it whatsoever. Let me ask you a couple questions just to, to get you thinking. How is it possible for Jesus to command us to love one another? Is it even possible? If we are told that we are to love somebody, does that make it automatic? Just because I tell you you've got to love somebody, does that make it something that you're going to do? Is it something that you're willing to do? Do we love because we are told to love? Some people, let me ask you this, some people just not lovable are the teller. Some people just hard to love. I'm not saying they're not lovable. 
Some people are just hard to love. Some people make it very difficult for you to love them, don't they? That's hard for the preacher to say from the pulpit because I love everybody. Huh? But you just think about it. Some of them are very, it's very difficult. But keep in mind, Christian love is not basically a feeling. It's not about emotion. It's an act of the will. It's a commandment that God has given us through Jesus Christ. He told us to love one another. No matter what, no matter what happens, we're to still love them. You think we don't turn us, sin doesn't turn people against Jesus Christ? Uh, he can't look upon sin. Sin is a, the worst thing ever. But does Jesus stop loving us as a because of that sin? Yes or no? No. He doesn't quit loving us. That's why the thing is, even though we're unlovable, even though I'm unlovable, Jesus Christ still loves me because it's a, an act of the will, and that's what we should do with each other. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his friends and his enemies, not just his friends, but his friends and his enemy. He willingly went to the cross for the love that he had for God's creation because God created us in his image. We were created in his image, and he loved us from day one. Even before we were born, he knew us, and he loved us from day one, and that's why we're to love one another. Jesus told the disciples, remain in my love, and so how do you do that? You keep his commandments. You follow in obedience. You love one another. You do the things that he's told us to do. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. Well, this is kind of like if you look at that scripture and say, well, does that mean if I don't keep his commandments that he won't love me anymore? That is not what it says. It says if you keep my commandments, you remain in my love. And if you remain in my love, that means we're growing closer together. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But the thing is, when you remain in Christ's love, you grow closer to him. And growing closer to him makes your relationship stronger with him. And that's what he wants. He wants you to have the same relationship that Christ had with the Father. Love for Jesus is a result of obedience. And obedience produces a deeper relationship with him. Bottom line... We want to know Christ, and we want to make him known. Amen? That's what the Bible says. We want to know him. You know, we know of him, and we know about him, and we know him, but we want to keep on knowing him. We want, to, we want to grow closer to him. We want people that are lost to know him. We're praying for lost people. And I, I tell you what, that's what I, I encourage you to pick a lost person out, family, friend, whatever. Pray for them by name specifically. You want to pray for lost people by name. And I know it's hard for you to share that with a congregation, but you want to pray for lost people by name. This world is full of lost people. And if you're not a witness to them, if somebody doesn't change their life before the second coming of Christ or before they leave here, because our time is short here, they won't be in, a, in heaven and we won't be in eternity with the Father. We want to make sure that we make him known to a lost and dying world. The son wants us to enjoy the intimate kind of relationship that he enjoyed with the father. While our emotions are certainly involved, real Christian love is an act of the will. And it's something we've got to make it a priority in our life. We've got to make it the point that, that we do this because God has commanded us to do it. Biblical love involves more than just a, emotions and personal preference. Love is a decision to compassionately and sacrificially seek the well-being of other people. And, man, we've talked about over the, over the last year about the priority and the focus is on other people. We want to make sure that they know and they grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in the commandment, you're to love your enemies. Matthew 5, 44 says this, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's true that love includes a feeling of, of affection because, man, I love my wife. I love my children. I love 
you people in this church. I love God's congregation. I love the Lord. It's all, there is some emotion, but it's also a fact of the will that we have to make it a priority in our life. True love that Christ is making reference to is not driven by feeling. True love is driven by sacrifice and the welfare of other people for people that you know and people that you don't know. So church, I'm going to ask you, how do you know how much I'm supposed to love other people? And you can say it, but how do I know how much I'm supposed to love other people? Well, look at the sacrifice that Christ made for us. How much did he love other people? Not that you're going to have to give up your life for anybody, but some people have. All right, Take a look at Jesus Christ and how much he loved you. Jesus says the greatest expression of love is for a man to lay down his life for his friends. That's the kind of love that he modeled for us. He loved you and me to the maximum amount. Man, he went to the cross from day one, from the day he stepped on this planet. He knew where he was going, and he, his love never wavered throughout that 33-plus years that he was on this earth. Christ is our Lord and our Master, and we are his servants. And true to this, he does not refer to us as servants. He calls us children, and he calls us friends. So don't, don't make it, uh, don't that make you smile? You know, when somebody says you're my friend, don't that make you smile? It make you smile when they say you're my enemy? No, but when he says you're my friend, I mean, you think about this. Jesus Christ said you're my friend. And that makes me smile, how comforting that is and reassuring that is that Christ is my friend. Church, we're to love one another as Jesus loved us, and he loved us enough to give his life for us on Calvary. We may not have to die for someone, but you think about Memorial Day. There's a lot of people that have. There's a lot of people that have laid their life down for other people. Jesus Christ did that as well. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. Now, there's other ways that you can help. There's other ways that you can stand in the gap for people this Memorial Day. And those are things like listening, helping, just fellowshipping with them, encouraging them, giving, giving of your time and your resources, standing in there where they need a friend, when they need somebody to talk to. Church, when we leave this building today, I want you to think of someone in particular who needs this kind of love. I want you to think about the people that that might not be getting the love that you need to share with them. I want you to share this unconditional love with them. I want you to give as much as you can. And then I want you to try to give just a little bit more. Jesus made the first choice. He said this in the scripture. You did not choose me, but I have chosen you. That's one of the best statements in the Bible. Jesus did, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. He had to make the first choice. The first choice was made by Christ to go to the cross and die for me. The second choice now becomes yours. It's mine and yours. We have to make the second choice. We have to to accept or reject his offer. The offer that Jesus places in front of us is one of two things. We either accept it or we reject it. Now, you think about it. I've been going to church my whole life. You've been going to your church your whole life, and you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm set. Well, you need to think about it. You need to make sure there's been a time in your life when you, you accepted that offer because if you've never accepted the offer, that means you've rejected the offer, and that's a pretty significant thing. So he's all laid it out there for you. Friends, without his choice, there'd be no choice to make. Man, God loves us unconditionally. It's very simple. John 3.16 says that he loves us unconditionally. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the sweetest verse of scripture in the Bible because it shows the most love that God has for his people. Man, he loves us so much. Ephesians 2.8 says this, By grace you have been saved, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. 
Man is a sinner and needs a, need a Savior, and we needed a Savior. There was no way around it. We were doomed, lost, and heading to hell. And without intervention by Jesus Christ on the cross, we were all doomed to be separated from God the Father. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody's an exception. Man, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Nobody is an exception. Sin creates the separation between us and, and God, and there's, there had to be a substitute. And Christ made that sacrifice for us. And he was the substitute. He provided salvation for us, nailed to a rugged cross so that we would have eternal life. Romans ten thirteen says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I tell you that every single week because it has so much importance to it. I don't want no one to perish. The Father wanted no one to perish. God says no one should perish. And everyone can have eternal life with the Father, but it's just a matter of accepting him. If you ask him to come into your life, he will put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, when our time is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, and eternity is too long to be wrong. It's too long to be wrong, and our life is short. And you think about it. Some people make it into the 90s and beyond, and some people don't even make it into the 20s. Life is short, and we don't know when our, our time is coming. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to change that and clear that up today. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. God didn't make it complicated. He didn't make it hard. All he did was said change of heart. Change of heart results in repentance. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of direction. So as simple as this, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, all you've got to do is ask him to come into your heart, and he'll change you, and he'll make a difference in your life. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd urge you to, to come down and, and, and talk with me or, or talk with Michael or either of our deacons this morning would be down here ready to pray with you or share with you whatever needs to, to lay on your heart. Whatever it is, you know, the altar is always open for you. Very few people can, can come to the altar because they think somebody thinks something's wrong in my family, something's wrong in my life. The altar's open if you want to just lay something at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. You want to lay it down here, the altar's open for you. You can pray right where you are, but let me just tell you, whatever you need prayer with, I'm here to pray with you and our deacons are here to pray with you. Whatever it is, whatever decision you need to make this evening is strictly between you and the Father. It's a vertical relationship. It's a vertical conversation. Nobody else matters. Nothing else matters. No other distraction. Make sure that you clear up anything that you need to clear up with the Father this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, I just come before you with a humble heart. I thank you for this opportunity to come into your house. And God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that, that your love, your unconditional love, is one of the most important characteristics in your life. God, the fact that you loved each of us so much that you wasn't willing to let us go. You wasn't willing to, to just kick us aside and, just, and start all over because of the, the sin that we've caused in this world. God, I just thank you for that. Father, I pray and I ask if there's one person that's sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, I lift up every person in this building. God, I just lift them up to you. Whatever their issue is, whatever their situation, wherever the struggle might be, God, I just pray that you would touch and you would bless in that situation. God, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.